are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. It's about showing up every single day. It's about giving all of yourself. It's about evaluating your work. It's about innovating practice to change lives. Every single week, let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the truest and shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. I am so excited about today's episode because I am on vacation. And when I'm on vacation, I travel. And one of the ways I travel is I travel outside of the field of speech language pathology. And what I do is I read a lot of research and I, and I look to a lot of experts outside of our field so that we can innovate our practice, so that we can have new ideas, new perspectives, and basically treat the whole child. Because if we treat the whole child, when I talk about treating the whole child, you know I'm talking about we treat the mind, we treat their hearts, we treat their mouths, and we treat their hands. When we treat the whole child we are going to create lifelong change. So over the summer, what I like to do is I like to leave my job behind. I like to go into other careers and see what other people are doing with the children that we work with to make a difference. And I like to take their wonderful good stuff and add it to our toolbox as speech language pathologists. So today I've got a, an amazing treat for you. I have my best friend. She has been my best friend for about 25 years now, if not over that. And she teaches at Purdue Fort Wayne as an early childhood education professor there. And she has great expertise and not only early childhood development, but in particular in movement, in the area of movement, in the, in the area of children learning through experience and through gardening and through being in the outdoors and through total immersion. So we have a really amazing early childhood educator expert here today. Her name is Dr. Julia Smith. So Dr. Julia Smith, besides being my best friend, is also extremely innovative in how she works to treat 
preschoolers. And the way she works to treat preschoolers, for instance, is let's teach these preschoolers about science and math through gardening. So a very educationally rich, very hands-on activities. And I'm so excited to have her today because she is going to share movement activities with us to add to our toolboxes. So we have a great mind with us here today. And she's someone who I talk at great length with. And typically we'll have coffee together and it's not unusual for our coffee to last about six hours. And for six hours, we nerd out on early childhood development and early childhood practice and in theory. So today I'm so excited to share her with you, my, my secret, which is Dr. Julia Smith. So what are we going to talk about today? We are going to play ball. So we're going to have a ball today. The theme is let's have a ball. And we're going to look at four fundamental ball skills. Now, why ball skills? And that's because playing ball is this fundamental skill that is known as a gatekeeper skill. Because if you know how to play ball, that opens a gate and that gives you the ability to interact with other children in this universal form of play, which involves ball play. So having our children with special needs, uh, being able to, to engage in ball play is very, very important because children we know from the research, they don't interact with each other through words. They interact with each other through action through interacting non-verbally with one another. So ball play is a very important way to communicate in which children communicate with each other through ball play. So how can we improve these ball play skills in therapy and in group settings? That's what we're gonna look at today. So there's four areas we're gonna look at a ball play. The first area we're going to look at in ball play is rolling the ball. So immediately what comes to your mind is probably bowling. So we're going to look at how can we improve the skill of rolling a ball. The second area we're going to look at is kicking a ball. How can we improve this very important fundamental skill of kicking a ball? The third area we're going to look at is throwing a ball. How can we improve this fundamental ability of throwing a ball? And lastly, catching a ball. So what we're going to look at today is in my area of ball play, I'm going to give an idea that I would use in small group therapy, either individual therapy sessions or a session with two to three children. Then I have my good friend here, our early childhood expert, Dr. Julia Smith. She's going to give an idea of something you would do with a large group setting to improve ball play in a meaningful manner. So this is going to be really fun. I hope you can take these ideas, add them to your toolbox, make your therapy better, innovate your practice, and come back in the fall stronger ready to provide better therapy, and ready to create more change. We're going to come back better in the fall, and we're going to do that by traveling into different professions, getting different ideas, and adding that to our toolbox. So let's get started. 
Julia, before we get started, we were talking about ball play earlier. And I was explaining, well, ball play is so important because it's this foundational gatekeeper skill in which if you can speak the language of ball play, that means you can communicate with other children using a ball. Like ball is the symbol in which they communicate with one another. Because I see things through this speech language pathology, communication, 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 paradigm. And you, with your ideas and your background, you were like, I see ball play through a different paradigm completely. So what, how do you see ball play when you see early childhood development? It's different than me. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kelly, first for that lovely introduction. And um, when we were talking about this, it, it really made me think of this process known as serve and return, which is a part of attachment theory. And serve and return is basically when a mother or primary caregiver interacts with a young child. It can be cooing with a baby. It can be smiles where they give back. It can be early vocabulary. And Basically, serve and return is an exchange. And what I like about playing with balls and children in group activities is this, it's an opportunity for them to do this serve and return and begin to form relationships with their peers. So it's the idea of serve and return that you would typically see with a mother and infant or mother and young child, but we're extending this idea now into ball play. Where they're forming peer-peer relationships. Mm -hmm. So now we're you're you're actually you're creating attachments with peers yes. with other peers. Absolutely. Okay, and it's not the, the the initial attachment of the mother child, but the attachment of a peer to peer. So I love that. I love that. And so this episode is even more valuable than I originally thought. So there's even more depth to ball play than as a means of communicating with one another. It's also in building attachments with another person. That's awesome. So let's get down to the to-dos, the fun part, the activities. Yeah. So we're going to just share some favorites. So a favorite I have when it comes to rolling the ball is I'll just take my activity that I would do inside outdoors and it's kind of like bocce ball. What I do is we throw our toys all over the grass. The children throw the toys as far as you can all over the grass. Our lawnmower guy loves this. He's like, is this popsicle yours? <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I ruin the lawnmower this week? I'm sorry. But anyhow, what they're going to do is they're going to take the ball and they're going to roll it to the toy that they want to get. So it's really meaningful. It's more than just bocce ball. It's like if you roll it to the letter G, you get a letter G. But if you roll it to the Jeep, working on final consonant deletion last week, last week, if you roll it to the Jeep with a P at the end, you're going to get the Jeep. So they're going to work really hard to roll it farther to get to the Jeep. So that's what I do is I take the activity, make it like bocce ball, have the children throw all the toys all over the grass. And to get the toy they want, they have to roll the ball to that toy. And I do like using, at the age I work with, big cloth balls that are kind of like pillows that are sewn up. They're like easy to, to grab, easy to use. They're, they're very, very, um, it, depending on the child's development. So let's take that into a group setting. 
That's what therapy looks like. What would you do to encourage rolling a ball, developing that skill in a group setting? Yes. Well, one thing that I can think of that you can do in the classroom with children is have the children wear different color hats. And this is something you could even have the children make, you know, they can make their own hat and it could be their favorite color. And you have the children wear the hats and sit in a circle together and roll a ball. So one starts out holding the ball and the teacher facilitates this activity and says, okay, so roll the ball to a friend who is wearing a blue hat. And they roll the ball, and um, again, then you can call on the next color. The teacher can facilitate the next color. I see a pink hat, and they roll the ball to the friend wearing a pink hat. And this is a really fun activity. You know, they're they're working those um, early um, fine motor skills, gross motor skills in their hands. You know, they're squeezing the ball and rolling the ball. And it's, it's just a really beautiful process. And it also eliminates kind of this awkwardness when sometimes a child is left out in circle, in some circle time activities because the teacher is facilitating the colors. So then we can kind of determine that each child gets a turn. I like that. And I also like the executive function piece in which the child is going to have to attend to the teacher, pay attention to the teacher's direction, demonstrate inhibitory control and not rolling the ball, even though they really just want to roll that ball to the color they want and responding to the direction. So that's also really, really rich in executive function, which is an area that is perhaps one of the most important skills to work on at the preschool level. So the second skill we're gonna look at is kicking the ball. And what I like to do with the kicking the ball is I like to build a very simple wall. So it could be, I only use five bricks, five cylinders, five cues, no more than five, because otherwise you're spending the whole time building, right? And we need time to practice our target. And what I would do is I would have them kick the ball and knock down the wall. Then we count how many cubes were knocked down from the wall and we chart that data. So beforehand, I also asked them, do you want the ball to be near to the wall or far away from the ball? ball? Do you want the ball to be on the side or in the middle? So I can use a lot of spatial directional terms as well as mathematical terms because we know that our children are likely at greater risk for dyscalculia, which is a mathematical learning disability in the elementary years. So I love focusing on math and visual spatial concepts. And also because visual spatial concepts are really hard for me. So I can see, I say, let's just work on this early. All right, Julia, let's take this to a group. When we look at kicking, what can we do in a group, a really fun group activity? What do you got? Right. Well, Of course, soccer is always fun. And I just want to say as a side note, when I taught in Head Start, we had a soccer team at our preschool. It was really fun. It was run by community volunteers and they would come on Friday. Friday was soccer day and the kids had t-shirts and it was just a lot of fun and just getting out, running around and practicing those kicking skills. Um, lots of fun, but in therapy, I realize you're sometimes in a smaller classroom and and you can't really get a whole soccer game going Mm -hmm. in the classroom. So 
One thing that I can think of that you can do with your children is to have them form a circle and have them stand shoulder to shoulder. So you want kind of a, a tight circle, but a little bit of room, but you know, close together. So there's not a lot of space where the ball can escape. And the purpose of this game will be to have the ball in the middle and everyone's going to be kicking that ball, but you don't want it to go out of the circle. Okay, so it's kind of like one of those popcorn type games and the ball is being kicked around and the kids are laughing and giggling. Lots of fun. And just the goal of that is to not allow the ball out. And also they're they're developing those gross motor skills of kicking. Awesome. So the popcorn can't get out of the pot. Keep the popcorn in the pot. Keep the lid on. Keep that lid on. (laughs) All right. The third area of ball play that we are looking at is throwing the ball. Now, once again, when it comes to throwing, I find that the cloth balls are really nice because they're easy for children to either use a one-handed throw, two-handed throw, whatever level they're at, they can throw and do it, whatever is whatever is challenging for them. So for the throwing activity, what I like to use are different sized hula hoops. So I have a small hula hoop, a bigger hula hoop, and a larger hula hoop. And if you remember like at Chuck E. Cheese, the game skee-ball, where you take a ball and it goes in the big ring, that would be worth like, that'd be worth like a penny, like one penny. And if it goes in the smaller ring, that would be worth a nickel. And if it goes in the little ring in the middle, that'd be worth a quarter. So this would be a good way to teach monetary skills at the very early level. So what I could do is I could have a beanbag toss in which the children throw a beanbag. And if it gets in the huge hula hoop, they get a penny. And they'll mark a penny on their chart data. The smaller one, a nickel, then a dime, and then a quarter. So they're learning once again about these mathematical terms of the monetary areas. You also have, did you get it in the middle or is it on the side? And those spatial terms once again, again. Now, another way I could do this is I could go farther. I could take the big hoop and put it at the end, really far away. And that's going to be worth a huge a quarter. Then the closer one will be worth a dime, the closer one a nickel, and the closest will be worth a penny. And they'll chart that data and learn about money and the meaning of money. They'll either learn in one area, accuracy, in which the quarter is in the middle, that little circle, or they're going to learn how to throw farther, in which the quarter is really far away with the beanbag. So that is an example of an activity we could use to encourage throwing. So get your hula hoops out, get your coins out, and get your beanbags out. Okay, Julia, throwing in a larger group setting, what could we do with a larger group? Yeah, I'm thinking piggybacking on your idea Um, One thing I can think about is having different size baskets or buckets and similar to what you were saying, have the smaller baskets worth more, maybe worth um, a dime and then the medium sized one worth a nickel and the larger one a penny. And so you could divide the students into teams and have each child take a turn and they can root for their team 
And at the same time, you can chart this. So you could have little visuals of a dime, a nickel, and a penny. Mm. And then, you know, check those off or fill in little bar graphs as the children score those money points and then see which team at the end of the game has the most money. So it's fun and it's basic counting. And you're also maybe charting something on a bar graph or tallying that up in a way that makes meaning to a preschooler. Yeah. And I like the way that you're looking at a different kind of concept of of a small, medium, large, extra large, a different type of measurement. So there's so many things that you can do with movement that make it these ideas that are scientific, that are mathematical. Basically what it is, it's visual representation of knowledge, how you can make that meaningful. So it's like, oh, I can see what that means. Love it. Okay. We have one more, which is catching. This one's a hard one. Catching for many of our kiddos, catching is hard. I find using the big cloth ball is nice. The big pillow-sized ball that's about the size of their chest. And the reason for that is because we know that the core develops first. So if I can throw that in their lap, we've got something going on. Then the gross motor develop. A lot of the children catch with their arms instead of their fingers initially. Then later they can use their fingers. So I like to use a nice big pillow-sized ball that's the size of their chest area when it comes to catching. That's my starting point. I also like to use big stuffed animals for them to catch. So once again, it's like, this is something you can catch with your arms. If you don't, if you haven't developed that differentiation of using your arms with your fingers just yet. So success breeds success. And when we talk about any of these motor skills, we always want the children at an 80% accuracy rate or higher. That's the challenge point. So if the child, if you're just throwing things at the child and it's bouncing off of the child, that's very frustrating, right? And that the children also learn, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at playing ball. I'm going to avoid this. (laughs) So we always want to set them up for success. But my hint and early on is use the big stuffed animals and use the big pillow balls, throw them in their lap and say, nice catch. Even if all they have developed at this point is the core and they're sitting up. Yeah, absolutely. I love your idea of the big fat fluffy pillow balls because they're not intimidating. I remember being a child and catching some oh. hard ball and just being like, oh, that hurt. Never you know? again. Yeah, never like a again. basketball. Exactly. Ow. You just don't want to do finger. that anymore. Right. Yeah, football. Ow. <laughs> yeah. Ow. <laughs> Here it comes. It's going to hurt. Okay. So, Julia, how do we take that and put it into a group setting? What are we going to do in a group to okay. encourage well, that skill throw? Yeah, I, I have an idea for this. And Again, a big ball is really nice. It's fun to grab and catch and squeeze. I'm thinking of maybe a beach ball even. And you can tape color patches on this beach ball. And what you would do is you would throw the beach ball up in the air and have, you know, one of the children in the group would catch the ball. And the first child who catches the ball, wherever they're right, thumb lands. So that's the rule. You know, Mm -hmm, you say where mm -hmm. your right thumb lands on the ball, that on that color, on that color patch 
you would ask them something about that color, you know, like name something that is green and they might say, oh, a frog or something like that. So just kind of have some fun with it or ask them a question about the color. You know, what can you do? Do you know, do you own something that's red? Do you have a toy that is red Mm -hmm. or a flower that is red or something like that? You know, so you just have fun with it and then throw that child then would throw the ball to another child. And the same rule applies wherever they're right thumb lands. So maybe it lands on pink. Okay. So then ask them a question about pink and this Mm -hmm. can be fun and, you know, it can go on and just, you know, make sure everyone gets a turn doing this and can speak about the color. And again, a nice way to involve a group and toss a ball around and just have a fun, just have a lot of fun talking about your colors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this isn't about learning colors. This isn't about low level thinking. This is about categorizing. This is a very high level skill in which suddenly you're putting in the same category of, uh, uh, for the color blue, for instance, you're putting in the same category of blueberry with name something blue that you can think of. That's way different. I keep thinking of a male a mailman because oh. the mail carriers wear blue a mail carrier. i think about water about water yeah so or yeah the sky. or the sky so so what you what's really neat about these categories is it teaches children to make really really abstract thinking in which you say what does something that's very dissimilar have in common mm-hmm. in the terms of color so this is very higher level thinking when you're when you're thinking this way so it's this is not low level memorizing colors business at all it's categorizing based on a characteristic. That's right. And it's a very high level prefrontal thinking. Uh, very good stuff. Okay, so those were our activities that we have to share with you. I know you. I know that if you listen to this channel, you're passionate about helping preschoolers. And I know that in your mind, you're taking these ideas and you're making them better already as you listen to this. So I'm so excited for you. Also, if you haven't bought my book yet, it is amazing. The book is all about treating the whole child and taking practice and making practice better. And you have in that book over a hundred video clips of different ideas, just like we covered today. Today, we covered four different types of activities, but in the book, there's over a hundred different ideas. And I want you to take those ideas and make it better. Innovate practice, make it better, create change, change lives. So at the end of the session, I'm gonna say this, it's time to roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place one child at a time. Bye for now.